Tweet talk. Lit. Slit. <laughs> That's what it is. This podcast is brought to you in part by investatheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me by boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investatheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Raphael for Tweet Talk. I'm here with Sammy from Black Real Estate. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's a cool thing right here. So my my partner, uh, Charles, with Tweet Talk, just had a baby. Shout out to Charles. Congrats, bro. Congrats, brother. So we're giving him a little rest. So we just here to chop it up a little bit and talk about the banker movie that just came out. You know, I guess we both saw it today for the first time. We're just going to talk yeah, about sure. our thoughts on it. So for those who don't know about The Banker, it's a movie about, it's, it's, it's based on a true story of two black men in the 1950s who get together and decide to buy a bank. And they use a white guy as the front man because obviously back then, they weren't trying to let black people buy anything. That's the basic premise. And it was coming out on, the story was, was uh, acquired by Apple. Apple was supposed to release it back in December or early January, and they, it got shut down and they pushed it back. And it was supposed to come out in theaters now, but now because of coronavirus, that's a dove. So it's basically just on Apple TV to see it. So Sam, what do you think about the movie, man? I thought it was great, man. Um... It was very inspiring just to see, you know, like he was, he was driving and walking for dollars back then in the in the in the sixties and fifties, sixties, um, whenever it was. And I remember he came and said, "I'm I came here to get into real estate." And I'm like, "Wow!" For a black man to say something like that back then, that I just had so much respect for it. But I, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed seeing um, their stories and progressions and, and struggles. I wish it ended differently, but. There was a lot of big takeaways from it, from it, so I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, it didn't have the best ending, at least not for the brothers, but yeah, very believable. Well, I said maybe for the very end. I, I'm not sure about the very end, um, but fortunately, it's based on a true story, so you know it was gonna yeah. end like that anyway. It was like, but by the time the movie was over, they were in the '60s by then, but still, you know, it didn't end. It didn't end so good for them. And the movie wasn't just about buying a bank. It was basically about them just buying real estate and building wealth just in general as black people in those times. And it was just interesting, the moves they had to make just to get it done. Definitely. You know, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I was just fascinated by seeing how they navigated the system back in those days and, you know, it's so crazy because usually we're in a position of service to, at least back in those days, to white people, but they had a white guy working for them, you know, and they were training him to be the front man and they were the brains behind it. So they were calculating the numbers, calculating all the percentages and basically showing him the business. And I was just blown away by that. And it was interesting to see 
that that role switch back then. Yeah. It was interesting from the very beginning that many was a little kid. Yeah. He's listening ear hustling and trying to learn about business from a young age. Oh, like what were some of the big takeaways for you on, on that movie? Yeah. So I, I feel like we we can't make excuses because even those like everybody goes through stuff, but we have so much more access to information, to people, to resources. There are a lot fewer barriers than they were faced than they faced back then. Because think about it, they had to have a whole person be the front man for a million dollar business. You know what I mean? And and they still managed to succeed in the face of all of that. So for me, the the the, main, the first takeaway is that you know if they could do it back then facing what they faced back then, literally facing death, there's nothing we can't do now, especially if we work together, if we're open. Because um, think about it, he wasn't open to the, the partnership with his wife's acquaintance or friend or whoever Samuel L. Jackson was. He wasn't open at first. But once he became open, and even though they were different, they have, you know, their styles ended up, ended up being complementary, and they ended up having a good business. Um, so I feel like there's there's nothing we can't do together. Um, the second is creativity. They had to get creative. They could have, you know, cried and complained and said, oh, you know, racism and they're against us and this, that, and the other, but they found a way, you know, like he was going up to these white people proposing different options. And, you know, he ended up having a partnership with the Irishman. You know, he over, he tried to get the loan by, you know, name dropping, which the guy didn't appreciate but then he did appreciate because he's like wow you know this he's black but he's serious and he knows his stuff and you know obviously the wife screwed him over after irish man died but that was that was that was was another takeaway too so there's 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 a lot more but those are like the two that come to mind i forgot about that part but like you said creativity yeah i Mm -hmm. forgot about that part when he first got into real estate in california he had to get creative with the deal just to, to get his first deal done because he didn't have enough money to purchase the, the property and rehab it. And he confessed to the guy to, to carry like seller financing. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, some, some creative deal he got yeah. between him and the bank. And he got it done. And also the persistence. The persistence also yeah. um, won over the, 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 the Irish guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes you never know where you're going to find an ally either. Yep, yep. So that was interesting. Another takeaway I would say is um, definitely be pre- prepared. Preparation is key. That guy knew his numbers inside and out. Mm-hmm. And that went a long way too. That impressed. That impressed a lot of people and got a lot of things done for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's crazy because the the um what was the white guy's name matt or, or something i forgot the, um, the partner yeah the matt matt steiner matt matt steiner so it's crazy because he I'm, i was thinking about where he was in the beginning and he didn't even did you know discussing formula he's, he's just so confused and then he got to that meeting when they bought the building in downtown la and he's he's all of a sudden a master negotiator you know he um was able to memorize all the numbers and all this stuff and he the the guy who was who he was negotiating with was so blown away that he's just like, hey, look, you got it here. We can have the deal on your terms. You know what I mean? So I, I agree with your point. Preparation is key. Um, but they, I mean, they prepared him, and even even when they got audited or whatever by the state, 
by a country or whatever it was, Treasury in um, Texas. Mm-hmm. And what's his name played the janitor when he was listening initially before they peeped. And he was just telling them what to say. Like he's coming in the bathroom and they were telling him exactly. It's just amazing. They they knew their stuff inside and out. But it's like back then and pro- honestly to, to that to a large degree now, you know, if white people, we have to know our stuff 10 times better than somebody else um, to get an opportunity. So it's just I was just fascinated by that. Um, those those brothers were cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And another takeaway is like for those listening, we definitely we gotta know our numbers. We gotta be prepared. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't just go for um, real estate, goes for business, but not just that. I mean, just in our regular personal lives, even if you're just a regular day to day wage earner, uh, know your numbers and your personal numbers. Know your credit score, know your expenses, know how much you have in the bank at any given time. You should know how much you get paid. Some people don't even know exactly how much they get paid, man, for sure. You should know um, what you got in the bank, your credit score, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. You should know what it's going to take for you to get out of whatever predicament you're in. If you live in paycheck to paycheck, you should know how much it's going to take to get you out of that cycle, man. Know your numbers. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. I agree, man. It's a really good movie. Definitely recommend everybody go see it. Uh, I think, let me see, what else is a good point to take from that? Having good partners, choosing good partners is key. Mm-hmm. Definitely yep. key. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, another one. Using the right partner. I'm not married. I've never been married, but I could tell <clears throat> that his wife pushed him. His wife, I remember she was like, what if I can get you? I'll never forget. She said, um, what if I could find a co-investor? Like she believed in the vision. She supported the vision. She defended him, you know, when his, when her family was kind of trying to um, talk down to him, like she was a ride or die for real. Like she really supported the vision, even when she didn't understand, like she's out here, you know, pretending to be a, a cleaning lady you know, to keep an eye on, on Matt in the branch, in, in, in the bank. So, I mean, she, she saw the vision, you know, perhaps there were times she didn't get it and she, maybe she didn't even agree, but she saw the bigger picture and she sacrificed a lot um, for, for things to, to come true. And she was, a, she was j- probably just as big a part of everything as, um, as, the, as, the, as the two guys were, um, you know, she had a really big part in that. And, uh, I, I can just imagine what he was going through and um, being discouraged. She was there for him. So I think that's another takeaway. Yeah. The whole partner thing, like not just the business partner, but the partners they had at home, because you look at it, the black guy's wife was very supportive and she found him the, um, like you said, the co-investor, the partner mm-hmm. that was good for him. And the white guy's, his wife kind of like brought the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. she was like poison to the whole partnership because the white guy was he was good he was he was appreciative of the whole thing he was willing to work for the black people he was like your money is green I mean he came from a poor background so he wasn't tripping off for skin color he's like yeah. you know they're paying me 
and I'm learning from these guys. And they took me in, they took me under their wing, and mm-hmm. she just got into his ear and just poisoned the whole thing and brought and just set set it in motion to where it just came to an end. And yeah, it was just crazy. I remember um, I've heard before, like Dave Ramsey. I heard him say before, like when they interview somebody for like a top position, they try to get to know the spot the spouse before they hire somebody. Really? Yeah, because he said like you could have somebody come in and they'd be like really good at their job, but if they got a spouse at home that's not supportive or the spouse at home is like harassing them, they're not gonna be good at, at work. Like he, he said one time that he hired some guy and they thought this guy was gonna be a superstar once they hired him. And then once he got there, the guy was not productive at all. And they kind of figure out what was going on. And they found out that this guy's wife was calling him every day at work, like just busting him up over the phone. He just couldn't operate. But she was the right partner at home and in business. Yeah. Crazy, man. Um, yeah. She, I know for a fact she had an issue with the fact that these two guys were black. Like she's like, oh, they're not smarter than you. Like she just assumed, oh, there's no way they could be smarter than you. It's not possible. Yeah, but she I, said I, she said, yeah, they're not smarter than you. She's like, how could they be? Yeah, how could these black, but it's like, that's just, I mean, that was the mindset. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised she thought something like that, but it's interesting that, because he, I think he, I don't think it was as big of a deal to him as it was to her. I think she influenced him to kind of turn, because right. in the beginning, he wasn't like that, you know, otherwise he would never work for no black guys, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like it was when the wife started creeping in and pressuring him and stuff like that. That's when he started to make bad decisions, you know, and, and just getting a whole lot of trouble, get, get the banks closed and get, basically get these guys sent to prison. <laughs> yeah. Another lesson to learn is um, there's nothing wrong with being number two sometimes. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with being I agree. number two. I agree. Think about it. If he played his position, wasn't trying to run the bank and just played his position, they would have taken care of him. And as things grew and as he got more experience, because he was so young, as he got more experience, they would have all three been very wealthy, very, very wealthy. He would have had a third of something huge if they were able to keep going and keep building. But he wanted too much too fast. Like he's a kid and he wanted to run a bank. And it's like, you know, you can't just run a bank out of three months of experience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Other things maybe you can, but the bank, that's a big deal. And I don't think he realized that. I think he just wanted to be in charge. Even when he walked in the first day of at the new bank, you could just tell it's like he's way in over his head. You know what I mean? Even just within the first seconds walking in, you're like, this is just a bad idea. It's not gonna turn out good. Um yeah, sometimes you just gotta be patient until it's your time to elevate. You know, it's nothing wrong with supporting someone who's showing you the ropes because then you know you'll be better off in the future so i mean i was trying to do some google search and try to figure out what happened to him but i couldn't find anything oh no like the real guy yeah yeah this is a real story folks this is a real Mm -hmm. story that really happened of course it's a hollywood movie so it's not gonna be 100 percent accurate (laughs) but it's a real story. This really did happen. They really did buy two banks in the, in the 50s or early 60s. And they did go to jail. Well, probably spoiled the end in there, but I don't think it's that surprising anyway. Yeah, you can Google that. 
Yeah, I, I don't think anybody really surprised that that's going to happen at the end. Yeah. Those people were not going to let that just go. But, uh, it's crazy, man. But it's, um, I think they said they had, I want to say, what did I say? I think they said they had over 177. Something like that, yeah. 177 buildings. And yeah. Property. That's crazy, bro. Like, just to even think about it, like two black men owned a owned a building in downtown LA at any point in history. That is just that is mind blowing. Like I need to find where that building is at and drive by because <sighs> that the fact like that blew my mind. Like in the movie, I figured, oh, uh, maybe he just he's trying to buy it. Maybe he's trying to buy it, but maybe he won't get it. And then they got it. And I'm like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me this building used to be owned by two black men? That's incredible. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, it was a, a huge building in downtown LA, prime real estate in California, mm-hmm. and all the tenants were banks, or pretty much all the tenants were banks. Crazy that is such money. a boss move. Crazy. That is money. such a boss move. And they were playing with big numbers back then too. I mean, what they bought it for, like one point five or something like that. Mm-hmm. For a commercial building now, that's not crazy, but. You gotta think about it. even like real estate investors now. There's a lot. I mean, God, no, a lot of people that making good money that don't have a 1.5 million building. Yeah, so playing with some big numbers, man. You think about the 1950s. The guy was saying like making 25 thousand dollars was a, a lot of money back then. That's crazy. Um, it's funny. I was thinking about when he bought when he bought um I think one of the first units with the Irishman. Um, one of the first buildings and the white lady was just so mad and he <laughs> he told her, he said, Oh, I own I own the building. She's like, You can't own this building. This is a white building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can't own this building, it's a white building. And she yeah, called the cops was, on him. Was, and then the, you know what's crazy here? The cops <laughs> they had an interesting response too, because he showed them the paperwork. And they're just like, oh wow, like okay, I guess we should let this guy rock. Maybe I mean I don't know. I was I was surprised that they they didn't really try to mess with him after they found out he actually owned it. Yeah, I thought there was going to be more problems even after that. I'm not yeah. sure if he's going to rip up the paper. I'm not sure what he was going to do. They left him alone. All they said was like, you should be nice to your tenants. Or some crap like that. It's crazy. Just goes to show you, like they said, man, uh, the power. Is with the business owner and the land and the and the homeowner. That's it. That's it. Everybody else is kind of at the mercy of those two parties, pretty much. They're the ones that have the control. Um, yeah, we gotta own some stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. that's that's where the control comes at. Even if it's just a roof over your head, you know, right. you control it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. That's just crazy, man. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Um, but I, it's interesting. I was thinking about also, they started, him and his wife started in a shed in a, her uncle or whoever's garage or whatever. Right. Um, 
And then I, I just popped in my mind the moment where they moved into their house, you know, and he was asking, oh, what do you think this house needs? And gave her the keys. You know, that was just another another amazing moment. Um, you know, he started small. He started with nothing. They just had some money they had saved from the business they had in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over time, they were able to get the house they wanted. Right, right, right. So, like you said, they started small. And I was seeing a lot of talk on Twitter today about um, moving in with family to save money. Uh-huh. And a lot of people are putting it down and saying, oh, everybody don't have family. It's like, come on, man. But y'all just don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think for those who can deal with their family and have a family and you work where your family's at, you know, the amount of money you could stack is unbelievable. Uh, provided that it's a situation you're able to live in. I think it's a no brainer if those conditions are met because you could, you know, save that money up, buy you, buy you a house um, right. or some other investment. Like you could save, hoard that money because the reality of it is you come home to eat and sleep. Most of the time you're going to be at work or doing activities mm-hmm. or whatever else you do anyway. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, so if you can live with family for a short time where you get your finances right, that's that's a big key. But you just, you have to have a plan, though. You can't just be living there and be living rent-free and then five years later, you you, you have no money, you don't have anything. You can't be in the same place you were when you moved in. Yeah, have Nothing a plan. Take some time to reset, you know? Yeah, they stay with family, then they got together and they, then they moved out. And they were ready. Now, another thing, um, you gotta have the right. Yeah, you have to have the right um, people work. Not people working for you, but like the right legal team, like lawyers, CPAs, whatever. Mm-hmm. They made sure they had that. One of their downfalls was when the white guy didn't use the lawyer that they, they trusted. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that was a bad move. That was a bad move because it's like. Why was it a situation where he knew the lawyer that he should have worked with and he just didn't use them? He said the guy couldn't make it, and instead of waiting till the when the guy was available, he he was in a hurry. I just don't understand how he thought that was a good decision. Yeah, he was in over his head. Yeah, yeah, that didn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah, it's definitely important because he whoever they hired just messed up everything. And they fell on their face because all the, the loans and all that stuff, none of that stuff was lined up. And there was no way he, there was no way at that point he could have gotten out. And then one, two, three, the bank was closed. Right. And then they lost everything. Mm-hmm. Crazy, man. It was terrible. terrible. Definitely watch that movie if you can't see it on Apple TV. I just signed up for a free, um, a free trial. Smart man. Uh I think like five dollars a month. Okay. I'm not trying to pay them that though, because I don't even see anything on there else worthwhile. I even browse. That's crazy. Apple's interesting. They take your little ninety-nine cents for storage, five I guess five dollars for Apple TV, nine dollars for Apple Music. And that's probably like millions and billions of people paying one of those three small fees or some other small fee. That's crazy. And they're making whatever they're making. Yeah. It's amazing. So you want to be one of the people just collecting small fees from a lot of people. Yeah. That works too. It does, man. 
instead of trying to get uh, big home runs every time. Yeah. Uh, what else um, jumped out to you from the movie? Yeah. Um, I think it also showed that even back then, you know, there are white people who were trying to look out and who just kind of saw opportunities, saw a couple brothers who were doing good things, like the Irishman. You know, he changed his tune on him. Um, and even, even, um, even, even Matt, you know, I think it showed two sides, you know, and, and um, also the investor from San Francisco who came and helped him buy the bank. Um, I think it showed too, like even back then, there were some white people who were different, you know, some who actually were just trying to get this money and trying to, you know, do business deals and trying to just invest in people who were doing good stuff. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and then, you know, it holds true today, you know, there, there are some, you know, there's good and bad in every race. So, uh, I like that they showed that as well. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I wish they showed more of what happened after, cause I have no idea what happened after, um, when they got out of prison, they just said something about the Bahamas and right. I don't know. So I would, most movies, I guess, end like that, but maybe if they at least said more of, like, even, or even typed up on the screen more of what happened afterwards. Um, yeah, but, did they you know, die, like, did they die broke or what happened? Like, right, that's what I'm curious about. I'm curious about, but it just sucks, man, because they said, I I want to say it said they seized all their assets, or most yeah, of them. Yeah, they seized all the assets. They, they probably been billionaires by now. They would have. They, um, they probably would have been billionaires by now, or their their heirs if they held on to a lot of that stuff. Because L.A. right now is just out of this world. They would have probably been worth you know, hundreds of millions of dollars if if they were able to hold on to a good portion of that of that um of that portfolio and keep that in the family. Uh, so it kind of sucks that it didn't work out. Cause they just, they would have just changed the game for a lot of people um, and for our people and being able to live in different places and such. Um, but I did also like that. I didn't know that their work led to the fair housing act either. Um, right. So I, I respect them for that, for, um, for standing up for that. Yeah. You want to like, we never heard about this story until this movie came out, mm -hmm. like nothing at all. And they almost killed it. Because when um, they were supposed to release it in theaters, one of the daughters came out and said, like, one of the sons molested her or something like that. And that's that's what killed the movie when they first um, brought it out. Or oh, you didn't hear that? Wait, it was, it was oh, not one of them to one of their sons? Like one, one, yeah, of, one like of the others? The, the, the gun, the one... Um, Garrett, Bernard Garrett, the one that wore the gla the fake glasses. One of his kids? It said one of his kids is like, I think he remarried or something like that later on. It doesn't mm -hmm. show it, but I guess he got divorced or something. Okay. I like maybe his stepdaughter, like his one of his sons allegedly like molested one of the daughters, something like that. Okay. So man, as soon as the movie was coming out, she came forward and says, um, you know, try to put a stop to it because of the whole thing. And Apple delayed it. That's why it didn't come out back in. Uh, was this son involved in the movie or something? The son was involved in the production of the movie. Like he was promoting oh, wow. it or something. He's, he was connected somehow in the bit, like in the movie. 
Oh, okay. He's not a and he's not really a major part of the storyline, but yeah, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it was some kind of funny stuff. Some hmm. kind of funny stuff. I thought Apple made a mistake, but whatever. It's good thing that it came out. Finally came out. Yeah. So I mean, like, know your numbers. And like, uh, choose the right partners. And relationships are definitely key. Part of what made it possible for them to make everything happen was having relationships with people, developing a relationship with the, the Irishman and with like the guy that I didn't remember, Silverstone or whatever his name was, the, um, he had relationships with, with, big, with big money uh, or mm-hmm. something like that. He put up a lot of money for, for their investments. They don't really talk about how, how they know each other, but that was a relationship that was key in that movie. Definitely. Yeah. Even the relationship he bought, he, he, he made, he, he made with the, the banker before the banker turned on him, the, the white banker in the bank. You know, he was able to get it done. That's true. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Yeah. So definitely gotta know, know your numbers, be prepared, develop relationships, hire the right people for you, CPAs, bankers, lawyers, have the right people in your corner. Save your money. Save to invest. People say save as a food, but you gotta start somewhere. That's it. That's it. Even if it's ten dollars a week, get into the habit. And you know, as your income grows, you just build that habit while you learn. And hey, you gotta start somewhere. Everybody can't save a thousand dollars a month. Do what you can. You know, do what you can, start where you are and take it from there. Yeah. That's that big goals. That's it. That's it. Very important, man. Your goals should, uh, they should scare you. You know, they should scare you and make you want to hustle and, and get as close to it as possible. You know, the higher you set it, the more you can accomplish and you probably accomplish more, more than you think you can. So definitely, I agree with that. Set big goals. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was persistent. We need that nowadays, man. We do, man. Like, you got to... We gotta have more more grit, man. We gotta be able to push through challenges more, and you know, just think about books like Black Fortune and just reading stories about Black people who really were getting it and really were getting money and helping people and building wealth over 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and had to face more than we face. So it's like there's so much. There's nothing we can't do, but I feel like collectively we have to change our mentality and believe that we can do it. You know, a lot of us don't believe because of whatever, but you know, we just need to believe we can do great things and we can build wealth because we can. You know, people did it before us with less. Right. Whose parents were slaves or grandparents were slaves. Mm -hmm. So I don't see why we can't do it. I'm glad you brought up that book. That's a good book too, Black Fortunes. Um, That book is, man, that book, that book blew my mind. Like I saw, um, Charles recommended it. And so I went to the library and got it maybe the next week. And I read it mm-hmm. in like a few days and I was just blown away. Blown away, man. Yeah. And if you haven't read that, it's a book about the, um, six black people that were like some of the earliest millionaires in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely pick that up, people. Black Fortunes by, I think his name was Samari Wills. Shamari Wills, something like that. Definitely Black Fortunes, you get that on Amazon. They have it probably in the library. Well, I mean, once the library's open back up. 
But maybe <laughs> maybe an audio version. <laughs> yeah, maybe an audio version. Even Amazon is taking a little slow to ship right now. Definitely check out yeah. Black Fortunes. You got the story of um, C CJ Walker, Annie Malone, which is interesting. Cause it was the, very different from the movie than in the book. Yeah, the series like, or uh, is it a movie or a series? I mean, uh, um, sorry, the um, it's like a f- four episodes or something. I think like a yeah. mini series. Yes. It was very different. Yeah, they're still they're I, still I, not telling that story right, man. Cause I would I want to say, and I would believe what's in the book is more true than what was in the show. Mm-hmm. I would assume, but it's like, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I yeah, the book I feel like felt more real as far as their relationship, but I don't recall. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall anywhere in the book where they said Annie Malone moved to Indiana to compete with her. I don't know if that happened in the book. And I don't know if they had all this tension for years and years and years. I know, yeah, that that kind of- I haven't seen the series, but I can tell just from the trailers that it's way different to like real events. Because according to the book, Pretty much, uh, CJ Walker stole the formula right. from Annie Malone and took the name. She didn't even change the name of it or anything and became yeah. like her biggest competitor. And even after all that, even though she was way more popular, Annie Malone's business was, uh, I think it was Poro, Poro Products. I, I think, think so, they're, yeah. still, they're still around, I think. Or at oh, least wow. the name, I think the name is still around. Or, they, or maybe it went out of business a couple of years, like a maybe a decade or so ago. But even with CJ Walker being more popular in the, the papers, Annie Malone's company did way more business. Yeah. She actually had money instead of just looking like money. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's interesting though. There is a, there is, she does admit that she stole it. And it shows that, I mean, it shows it in the movie. Oh, it but does. what really threw me off was just, they showed, they had this, this long standing beef throughout the whole movie. And I don't recall that in the book. I don't recall them ever talking much in the book about their relationship after they broke off, after after CJ Walker broke off. Um, but it was, I mean, I guess I don't want to spoil it for you, but it was very, I was just kind of, I liked it a lot. It was inspiring, it was great. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, huh, this ain't happening in the book. But um, yeah, I'm sure yeah. I was not a big fan of this. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So maybe it's not too inaccurate. I don't know. Or maybe they got some research. Well, I don't know. The, the writer of that book, he did. I feel like his research is could be trusted because even when he goes into how he found all this stuff, I'm like, what he has is probably more accurate. They probably splash a little Hollywood in, 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 the, in the show. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. You got to be careful when you watch these things because we watch these fictionalized accounts of things that happened and we kind of take it as history like we watch these movies and we just kind of like believe it like even like you uh was it uh the malcolm x movie you know they change stuff from the book you know they change stuff from real life but when you watch that stuff like that you kind of feel like this is how stuff really happened you kind of believe it even though even if they don't say it like blatantly, they might not say, well, this is exactly what happened. You kind of just watch it and believe it. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that. Yeah, man. Um, but no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, definitely recommend it. It was, that was, 
that was inspiring. She was really out there getting it and just showing how she built her team and how she expanded. It's like, this is someone who's doing this way back then, like mm-hmm. without technology. And you talk about a national business, like that is incredible. And I think she was probably international too. Like that's just, she was a boss for real. I wish her husband was more supportive, but she was a boss. Yeah. Um, there's another book called Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. I haven't read Char- that one. Charles said he couldn't really get into it, but that was about uh, Jeremiah H- Hamilton. He was one of the people in Black Fortunes. He's in there too. Mm-hmm. This book is all about him. He he became rich uh, in New York, like in the early, early, like 1900s, like late, like early, early 1900s on the stock market. And at first, he he was using like I think he was using like front people at first, like on some of his deals. But after a while, he was just blatant with it. He was just everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew he was making money on Wall Street. They all hated him. He didn't care. He had a white wife. He wow. wore a wig. Like it was <laughs> he's a, like a bizarre guy. But I don't know, man. It's an interesting. It's an interesting book. Yeah. He made a lot of money on Wall Street. He was a millionaire, like early, early 1900s, even before um, CJ Walker and all of them. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, if they could do it back then when people were getting hanged and lynched on the regular, like, I mean, I know people go through things and there are challenges in life, but I feel like we can overcome anything. You know, our people have, we just have that within us, you know? That ability to overcome the challenges in life and come out on top. So all those stories, that's what it says to me. That there's nothing we can't do. Yep. On that note, I think we can wrap it up. All right. There's nothing we can't do. So for the listeners, make sure you check out the banker movie. Check out the book Black Fortunes. Also check out the book Prince of Darkness by Jeremiah Hamilton. It's Raphael with Tweet Talk. Gotta say shout out to my partner Charles. He at home with his new brand new baby. You know, or him Nolan the Great, first of his name. You know, hustle for your last name. You know, here with Sammy. Yes, sir. Bread. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Real Estate Dialogue. Definitely check out his podcast. Give him the Twitter, the Twitter handle. Oh yeah, find us on Twitter at Bread Podcast. B R E D podcast and on instagram at black real estate dialogue yeah you can follow me on twitter Raphael. Uh, my twitter handle is at work money life uh you can follow the tweet talk podcast on instagram at tweet talk podcast follow my partner charles on twitter at todd billy t-o-d-d-b-i-l-l-i um shout out to um Sponsor to the Tweet Talk podcast, investasateam.com. Go get your get your merch, official merch of generational wealth. Shout out to Don the Voice, who normally does our podcast editing. Shout out to the whole crew. All the people out there, all the black people out there, getting to it, sharing the knowledge with everybody. Xavier Miller, Chris Johnson, Aisha Selden, Erica Williams, everybody, Hudder States. Shout out to you. Salute to you. Nothing that we can't do. The Sammy from Back Real Estate Dialogue and Raphael with Tweet Talk. And we are out. Yo, this is your boy, Donald the Boys. Donald the Boys.
And that's right, if you're listening, then you know a little bit of my swag, my production. I'm a voiceover artist, podcast producer, and also a little bit of a creative. And I want to offer you a special offer for this podcast listenership. That's right, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you need any kind of commercials, promos, or advertisements, that then I'll be sure to hook you up. With prices starting as low as $50 for a fully produced commercial, I'm willing to give you the best value that you can get anywhere. So once again, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com, and I look forward to talking to you. Yeah. <laughs>